Welcome to the Dynasty Nerds Fantasy Football Podcast, where we discuss dynasty strategy, rankings, and all things NFL. So get ready to geek out on fantasy football with your host, Rich Dotson. And welcome to the Dynasty Nerds Fantasy Football Podcast. I am your host, Rich Dotson, here with my fellow nerds, Matt O'Hara. Hey, hey. And Garrett Price. How's it going? Oh, it's going great because we're finally wrapping up all this rookie talk. For me, I love rookies, but we spent the last three months talking about these guys, three and a half months. I am burnt out. I'm glad it's over. Uh, We're going to finish today with our overall rookie rankings between the three of us. We're going to pick up at number 25 where we left off the last couple of weeks. We're going to get 12 people today. 12 people in the Nerd Herd episode. And then for the Nerd Herds, you're going to get two episodes this week because we're going to do picks, uh, what is it, like Matt, 36 or 37 to 48, right around there? Absolutely. Yep, 37, 48. And then later this week, when we get time to record again, we're going to do deep dynasty sleepers. So anybody who's ranked after 48, and there's some players we still like because this is a deep class, we're going to do a special episode for the Nerd Herd on deep dynasty sleepers it's just a nice little perk of being a nerd herd member uh you know you get the dynasty rankings you get the buy sell tool you get the nerd score you get the dynasty film room to watch rookies we already got 2021 rookies going into there and we have a really cool exciting thing about that rich exciting thing sorry to cut you off we uh we we just got an inside source to get us every game of Trey Lance from uh, from Notre, or, uh, North Dakota State, who's like the new Debbie hotness. Everybody's talking about this guy, thinking he's going to be maybe competing with Fields and Lawrence in this class for the top quarterback. We just got like all of his games. So just throwing that oh, out there for the film room. Nice. Yeah, check out the Dynasty Nerds film room, and we got a new tool coming, guys. It's going to be here in the next month and a half. Uh, and to say you guys are going to love it, it's going to be an understatement. I played with it. I like it. I like it a lot. You guys are going to love it too. And for the nerd herd, you're going to get the tool for free for what? Like a two months, Matt, somewhere. I think we talked about right around there all the way up until August. You're going to be able to play with this bad boy before it goes into a different tier. Yeah, uh, something like that. But we've been building this thing for a while, and it's 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 awesome. It's not a mock draft tool, but it's just it's it's better. Uh, <laughs> so that thing will be around get, someday. We'll get that oh, thing up and running. Dude, hired the worst developer ever. Turned it over, and it was a complete dud. <laughs> but neither that's neither here nor there. Let's get into some of these rookies. But before we do, let's hear a word from our sponsor, DynastyOwner.com. That's right, DynastyOwner.com. You're, if you're an above-average fantasy football player, so you'll likely be interested in a new challenge this upcoming season. Check out Dynasty Owner. They've had a new strategic twist to fantasy football by incorporating the business of football into their game. This is because their salary cap dynasty format is based on real NFL salaries. And it is such a difference maker that they actually have a patent on it. For example, Tua signing his $30 million contract doesn't matter much in most leagues, but in Dynasty Owner, could a $7.5 million per year make him more attractive than Russell Wilson at $35 million? I don't know. That's a, little, that's a big difference in the pay scale when you're trying to work on a budget. And if you ever had to work on a budget, you got to cut corners. So for me, the quarterback situation we've talked about in Matt, where these rookie contracts in Dynasty Owner – are huge you know getting a guy like their weight in gold they really are yeah clyde edwards lair is extremely valuable so dynasty owner leagues are forming soon from people who've been on their wait list but there's a limited number of franchises made available at any given time 
Get on the waitlist for an invitation by visiting DynastyOwner.com and click on Start My Dynasty. You'll be able to join leagues with cash prizes or just play for the love of the game. And after you join the waitlist, you can test out a mock draft and see how using a real NFL salary changes players' rankings, draft strategy, and roster construction. Dynasty Owner also recently released their new mobile app for iOS and Android. Join the waitlist and download the app today. All right, guys, let's get in some of these rookies here. Let's pick up right where we left off. And at number 25, we have Cole Komet for the Chicago's Bears. First tight end taken off the board in the second round at pick 43. And I know they just signed Jimmy Graham, the 10-year vet, to a two-year deal. And this team has been looking for a tight end for Matt Nagy's offense for two, you know a while now. And Jimmy Graham's contract is a little bit of a hindrance for Cole Komet at two years and $16 million. But at the same time, Cole Komet, I mean, not even Cole Komet, no dynasty tight end comes in and burns the door, you know, the barn down and starts coming here and producing. Gronk had a good rookie year, but it wasn't because of yards and receptions. It's because he had double-digit touchdowns, and that's why. But at the same time, Komet comes in with some really good stats. He was our number one dynasty rookie tight end going into this, and he comes out as the number one tight end drafted, which is always a good narrative to see. And he has really good size. I mean, only tight ends that have had his size and at 260 pounds have run a below 4.740 yard dash. And that makes him a very unique prospect for the Chicago Bears. And this is an offense that we, we've just been waiting for to take an uptick. You know, Allen Robinson's being slept on because of the quarterback situation. You got David Montgomery over there who could take a big step forward. We still have Anthony Miller as well. So is it going to be Nick Foles? It's going to be Mitch Trubisky. I'm still hoping Mitch could beat out Nick Foles. I don't think that's a huge hurdle to overpass there despite Nick Foles salary. I mean, this is a guy who got beat out by Gardner Minshew. So for me, Cole Komet is a nice dynasty prospect right here going into the beginning of the third round, which I think is fair. If you were desperate for a tight end, that's okay. Taking one the second round for me, I wouldn't because even Cole Komet pan out like his high side. Uh, I guess you never know with tight ends, but to me, his high side is being like that Austin Hooper, you know, tight end number six when he's schemed for. And also being said, next year's tight end class is significantly better than this this year's tight end class. I mean, there'll be some first round guys prospects potentially compared to this year. So for me, getting Cole Komet here on the Bears, it's a really nice position because this team is looking for that that tight end but at the same time the quarterback situation is a little bit up in the air Cole Komet's gonna take a little bit time to develop and with some other tight ends coming into next year and the recent influx of some young talent here I'm okay with him going to the back end of the second high third but this is where I do see a run of some good options at tight end I do like Cole Komet for the Bears what do you guys think yeah, I mean, obviously they went out and spent a really high second-round pick, um, his 11th pick overall on a guy. And I think it was to stabilize the, the position long-term. Because, I mean, if you look at the stats and you look at the, the tight ends that caught that had targets last year, there's one, two, three, four, five, six, six different tight ends were targeted last year in the passing game, and not one of them had over 24. Trey Burton had 24 targets, but that was it. So they were just they were kind of like shuffling through these guys and seeing which guys worked. You know, obviously the, the, the story on Trey Burton was that he was injured, but, you know, they had a lot of high hopes for, for a guy like Adam Shaheen from a small school. 
and he just never really panned out. So now they're using a really high second-round draft pick on a tight end and going out and getting Jimmy Graham. It, it says that they're going to put a little bit of emphasis on the position, in my opinion, and they and they really want that to be a, a part of the offense that you know they've obviously been missing for the past few years. So uh, I, I really like Cole Komet. Uh, you know, he like we've talked about him before that he's a he was a former former two star athlete in college, playing baseball and football, splitting his time, and now he's going to be able to solely focus on football, which you know from a training training aspect that's got to be you know that's got to be good his body is going to grow a little bit more into into an nfl type of body as well so you know the sky's the limit for this guy i really do like him i see him i i, I see him as a little bit better um tight end prospect than an austin hooper coming out so i i could see a little bit more upside with him but um so i have him i think ranked a little bit higher than the, the, than you two do at this point but you know in, in this year's draft I think the tight ends, um, you know, if it's a one QB league, the QBs, those guys are just going to be kind of sliding because there's there's just so much talent in this draft. So it's it's a very unique spot, um, our unique draft, and, and you know, I think that's probably the reason why we're talking about Cole Komet here in the third round, whereas in years years past we would have definitely been. I think he would have been dabbling somewhere in the second round. Oh, yeah, I, I can see him easily going higher in the second here in most drafts, but with the influx of, of receiver talent here and even upside at running back, the guys we already talked about at running back, guys like Anthony McFarlane, Antonio Gibson, it just makes sense for him to slip here. But he could go easily go as high to me as pick 18 from 25. Definitely with how we're, re, we're really seeing like the NFL changes every, what, like five years, like the personnel they run. And right now we are seeing a lot of change in offenses go into mostly successful offenses move into a lot more 12 personnel which means good I mean which means good which is good for a lot of these uh, tight ends like even a guy like Albert O going to the Broncos who already have so many weapons and Noah Fanther it doesn't just eliminate that second tight end now you know you can have Dallas Goddard and Zach Ertz where Dallas Goddard had multiple tight end ones weeks last year and so did Zach Ertz where I think Dallas Goddard had at least like eight tight end one week somewhere around there. So, and he's the second tight end on that roster. So Cole Komet being there with Jimmy Graham definitely doesn't limit him. Definitely because Jimmy Graham is a dinosaur. But at the same time, it's nice to see some of these tight ends have even a, a broader range to get targets and receptions. Garrett, what do you think? I really do like Cole Komet quite a bit. Most of the leagues that I play in tend to be super flex tight end premium leagues. So with that, I actually think that Cole Komet is probably in the top five of players that I have the most shares of in this class, which is interesting because the out of the three of us, I technically have them barely. It's not by much, but I technically have them ranked the lowest. Um, but it, it seems like everyone is kind of down on this tight end class as a whole, which really just means you're getting value because I think – even though the tight end class on the whole isn't that good, there are still two or three good prospects in here that do have games that could translate into being that you know tight end one, which we talked about before. Tight end one only means so much, you know. It's really more of those top eight, top six guys that range. But I think that you know, Rich, you mentioned it a little bit ago with you know a lot more two tight end sets that we're seeing now. I think that tier is going to start to widen a little bit because of that. We're going to have teams that are using these two tight end sets and prioritizing the tight end as a weapon in the offense so much more that I think we're going to get 
that back end, that 6 through 12 tight end range, I think over the next two, three, four years is going to stabilize a little bit and become a, a much better option for your team where as before it was just, you know, hey, I got to get a top six guy. I think that's going to start to level out. And I think Cole Komets of the world, the Adam Troutmans of the world, will see those guys in that kind of 6 to 12 tier. Yeah, it's, it's which is a nice spot to get a guy like this in the third. I mean, you're getting the number one guy in his position where we have him here in our overall rankings in the top of the third round. You just can't beat that. You know what I mean? It's just it's too good a value uh, at a position that's already weak in the NFL and in fantasy football. So Cole Komet here at 25, liking it. Yeah, and um, I absolutely like it as well. But, but moving on um, to the next prospect, Devin Duvernay out of – Texas um, wide receiver, five foot ten, two hundred pounds, blazed a four point three nine in the forty. Got picked in the third round, 29th overall to the Ravens. Who you know, obviously you hear that, and and some people are gonna kind of sigh a little bit because it's the Ravens. They're they're run they're run heavy offense. But if you take a little dive into the numbers here over over you know, and and you take a look at what they've been doing over the past couple of years, they're trying to build an offense around Lamar Miller and kind of help him out. You know, his his rookie year, he only attempted 10.6 passes per game on average, which was it was bare, it was the 54 54th overall um out of the qualifying t- um quarterbacks. And in his second year in the league where he really caught fire, you know, they upped it up to 26. He's still only 30th attempts, you know, 30th in attempts per game at 20 26.7. But you can see a trend building that they're going to be starting to put a little bit more on this guy, a little bit more on this guy every year. And with the weapons that they're putting around him, a Devin Duvernay, the Hollywood Brown, obviously last year, they went out and got um, James Prochet too late in this draft. So they've been really piecing together a lot of things um, to, I think, you know, build this thing slowly for him. It's the way it's the way you're supposed to bring quarterbacks along. You don't just dump stuff on them right away and expect them to – to be world beaters. You kind of build it slowly. You you build it through the running game until they feel comfortable throwing more passes, especially a guy like Lamar Miller, who is, I think, limited in that capacity, especially coming out of college. Um, I think it was a really smart strategy, but I think this is another one of those things where, you know, Devin DuVernay, he fits like a glove. He's a guy that ran 98% out of the slot in college, so he's going to be able to catch passes quickly, and he did most of his damage after the catch. He's a yards after the catch type of guy, and he caught 95% of his catchable targets last year, 106 out of 112. And he, and it's not like he he was you know low in the stats or anything. He was fifth in the country in receiving yards as well. So he's a very highly productive guy. He had 13, almost 1,400 yards last year. And he's just a very reliable target. I like his explosiveness, and I like I like the fit in the offense. To be honest, I, I actually might I see a little bit more upside with than than Hollywood Brown with this guy because I think he's going to be a little bit more consistent catching passes than a Hollywood Brown. What do you yes. guys What do you guys feel about that? Yes, yes, yes. If you guys remember right, doing our rookie breakdowns, this was one guy that I was really big on watching the film on, and I kind of just in our college scouting. I came away really impressed and said, this is a guy I really like. And I think he's a much better gamble than a guy like LaVisca Chenault. And I still feel that way. And Matt, you're 100% 100 correct because his skill set and his traits 
absolutely fit with the with the Ravens offense what what they want to do. This is a guy who's got good cat draft capital. 90 you know top 100 overall pick, third round by the Ravens. And who's he competing with, Matt? In the slot, Willie Sneed, who's 28 and his contract slightly <laughs> is up after this year. Willie Sneed more like right. Willie please. Yeah. You know, I don't need you I don't need this going on around here. The Ravens threw 19 touchdowns to the player who lined up in the slot last year. That's the most in the NFL by over by four touchdowns. This is a skill set that works really well with Mark Andrews and what they want to do. We've been talking about this for two years now with the Ravens, Matt and Garrett. You know, speed, speed, speed. What was what was Devin Duvernay's 40 time? 4.39. That sounds like pretty speedy to me. Might as well call this guy Devin Duvernay Gonzalez because this guy can move. And you're right, Matt. He's electric with the ball in his hands. He becomes that. He's he's a Debo Samuel comp, right? If you like what Debo did yeah. last year and what he did on the ground, then you're going to like Devin Duvernay too. This is a great rookie prospect sleeper here in the third round. I do not have enough shares of Devin Duvernay. If you had your rookie draft and you had multiple of them, multiple drafts and you don't have a Devin Duvernay share, then you missed out as well. If you have a draft coming up, I would make sure here in the third round, this this to me, even at 26, it's fair that he's here at 26, right? That's fair. Top mm-hmm. of the third round. But this guy could easily surpant, surplant when it comes to fantasy production. A lot of other guys we already talked about because that's what it is. Fantasy production we're looking for. And this guy is one of the best yard after the catch receivers in the game here. And wait, the way what he does when he gets the ball in his hand and get down low and becomes physical. So for me, this is great value and great upside. Just like Mark Andrews, the number is the number one weapon in the Ravens offense in a passing game at tight end. Devin Duvernay could be the number one weapon in the receiving game because of receivers. Marquise Brown can open up the field and be that speedster, but it'll be a little bit inconsistent and in big fancy points per game. But if you're looking at for a guy besides Mark Andrews, who's most likely going to catch the most footballs and on top of that, score the much, most, most touchdowns, to me, that man's name is Devin Duvernay. So I love this pick for the Ravens. I liked him in my scouting process. I like where he lands here and I like his upside. I think this is some of the best third round value you're going to find in any dynasty rookie draft out there today. Garrett. I'm absolutely with you. I really, really like Devin Duvernay and it's, you guys talked about the, the situation and the, the receivers there and, and you're right. There's not going to be like this overwhelming amount of targets like there would be if he went to Atlanta or if he went to one of these other places. But the thing I love is he he won. Yes, he is absolutely a perfect fit for what they're trying to do, build the speedy offense. Uh, but we also saw them be very successful with a lot of the yards after the catch stuff. We saw that in San Francisco as well. And who do they have there? Debo. So all of these things you guys are saying are, are making absolute sense. And the things that we're seeing – Marquise Hollywood Brown hasn't been able to stay healthy. That that's been an issue for him, and so it's tough to make a guy your main receiver when he can't stay on the field. On top of that, we have Miles Boykin, who I do think will be better in year two, but by no means is there an established pecking order at this point. So if there's somebody that has a chance to hit a much higher ceiling than they're being drafted at right now, Duvernay would absolutely be one of those guys in that tier for me of guys that could way outperform. Now, the the nice part is I think his floor is also very safe. Now, 
in this first season, we've brought it up a hundred times. We'll bring it up a hundred more. We don't know what this off season is going to look like. They're not getting the opportunities, the rookie mini camps, all that kind of stuff could be a little bit of a slower start, but especially looking into year two, even, you know, if, if things don't pan out quite like they, they hoped, I would absolutely be looking in year two to have that, uh, Debo like, uh, golden Tate like type weapon for Lamar Jackson to be able to get across the field. All right, the next guy on our list here is LaMichael Pirine. He was a redshirt senior out of Florida, uh, weighed in at the combine at five, or uh, his height was five foot 11, weighed in at 216 pounds, and he is now a member of the New York Jets. Now, this prospect was a tiny bit more exciting a couple weeks ago before we had the ever-present, always there, never going away, going to play forever, Frank Gore, uh, that happened to uh, impede his his uh, uh, opportunity right away. But I still am a big fan of P. Ryan uh, in the sense of he is a very good all-around back. There's nothing that you're going to look at when you see him and say like, ooh, that's sexy or ooh, that's special. But good vision, Good size, solid between the tackles. He's a good pass catching back. They even split him out at times. And so he will be uh, an option as a potential replacement to Le'Veon Bell. We also know that Gase isn't in love with Le'Veon Bell. He wasn't necessarily on board. Uh, So he could be absolutely a trade candidate at some point. And even if he's not, Bell hasn't out in his contract after this year. So I like this the spot here in the third round because I think this is the range that we we want to start taking some running backs where we might not necessarily see early opportunities for these guys, but we see a path to being relevant. In the second round, you're still taking guys that you think could potentially start from your for your team year one. I mean, those are the type of players that you're getting. So here is, you know, and we're going to talk about a few other running backs that are kind of in the same range that might not get to play right away or, you know, be the the, the main guy in the committee right away, but at least has a path to being relevant. And so you take the opportunity that he could have with a solid overall skill set. I think he came in uh, before pre-draft as my running back. I want to say he was running back 10, right around there. I'd have to go back and look. So overall, solid prospect, uh, decent opportunity. Uh, I will, I do, and we'll continue to get uh, some some of the Michael P. Ryan shares. So yeah, he's somebody that comes in for the Jets. You know, they beefed up the offensive line by selecting Makai Becton uh, in the first round. And you right, Garrett, they don't like Le'Veon Bell. And this is a guy who has a lot of skills that could translate to fantasy football production. He averaged 5.1 yards per carry, had 3.73 yards after contact, has pretty good soft hands as well, so he can catch the football. Had 40 receptions there at Florida last year for 262 yards and five touchdowns, which is nice. He's got NFL blood throughout his family because he's related to Miles Jacks, Maje P. Ryan. So for me, in this spot, there's a path here for to get him to get production. And when you look at some of these running backs that fall a little bit later, they took him in the fourth round. So for a running back, that's not terrible draft commodity. And there we see the path. Like you mentioned, they don't love Le'Veon Bell. They've made it pretty clear they don't love Le'Veon Bell. And they get out from that money. They're probably going to get out after this season. So with that being said, Frank Gore, Frank Gore at this point doesn't worry me when it comes to fantasy production, maybe some goal line carries, just some mixing, mix things up. But 
I think there's a good chance for P. Ryan to have a path here production. Not as much so in 2020, but more so in 2021. You would just hope that you're right, Garrett. Maybe somebody gets hurt in training camp or something happens. They do trade Le'Veon Bell to a team. And that really opens up for things for LaMichael P. Ryan. And we're just hoping he gets an opportunity because that's what you're just looking for, these rookie running backs, just an opportunity. Like the guy next we're going to talk about is going to get a probably a good chance at an opportunity. That's what we're looking for, P. Ryan. And the fact that they made it clear they don't love Le'Veon Bell a ton, to me, that says at some point they're going to give this guy a look and they're going to give him some carries just to see what they have in him and can he be that guy going the next year or do they have to draft a little higher and go for a Travis Etienne or a Chuba Hubbard. So to me, I like his upside. I think he's a really good stash. I think he's perfect draft pick here in the third round. I think this fits him. And these are the kind of guys you're going for here, upside kind of guys. And that's what LaMichael P. Ryan is. Absolutely, Rich. I'm with you there. He, he is an upside guy, but uh... – I mean, I immediately when I when I saw that Frank Gore had signed there, I immediately kind of thought, oh, maybe they're going to try to get rid of Le'Veon Bell this year. That would that would make things interesting. But when you look at the numbers of his his deal, there's a seventeen there'd be seventeen million dollars of dead money if they cut him or, or or traded him. So it's it's probably not going to happen like you guys had mentioned till until next year, where where that's a, a lot easier of a number to to swallow. I think there's like four million dollars of dead money next year. So I'm looking to it's it probably is not going to be till next year when LaMichael P. Ryan has a, a real shot. But, you know, if you draft a guy in the third round, you hope to see, I mean, you hope, you know, maybe some injuries happen or whatever. Like you, you never hope for that, but maybe that's his avenue in his rookie year. But otherwise you want to see a couple flashes, you know, maybe late in the season, they're going to get him some work to see what they have in him for next year. And then, you know, it, it's going to be most likely 2021 until you see any time, any type of big time production or not even big time, but any big time opportunity for, um, LaMichael P. Ryan. Yeah, you stash him on your taxi squad. You let him sit there. Uh, if he gets opportunity, you bring him up. If not, you got twenty twenty one. And then if you know he filter, you know he busts out in twenty twenty one. So what? You spend a third round pick on him. It is what it is. You either promote him up or you let him ride the whole year there too. It hurts a little bit, but not much. So a nice prospect. Yep. Number twenty eight on the list: DJ Dallas of the Seattle Seahawks, also selected in the fourth round at pick one forty four overall. We've talked a lot about DJ Dallas. This is a big Garrett guy here out of Miami, five foot ten. I gave him some cream hunt, hunt comps, but I think the biggest news here actually broke today, guys, on the DJ Dallas front where the Seahawks reportedly offered Devontae Freeman a contract, and he wants more money, which is kind of crazy for Devontae Freeman asking for any more money. I, I saw a report. I don't know what it, who it was from or if it was accurate. It might have just been from a dynasty guy. So that they offer him around four, and he's asking for six, which is absolutely crazy that he thinks he can negotiate with anybody at all. But the big news here is they offered him a contract worth multi-millions of dollars because they know Chris Carson won't be ready. We we knew that injury was really bad to Chris, uh, not Chris Carson, to Rashad Penny. Penny. And Chris Carson's coming off a little injury, too. He will be ready. But this is a run-heavy team. And they're looking for somebody who can catch the football well as well, too. And that's what DJ Dallas brings here. And Rashad Penny wasn't terrible towards the end of last year. He, he showed some flashes there why he could contribute. Chris Carson on the last year of his deal as well. A team that 
just can find these running backs, put them in there, and get some production on a run first team. This to me opens the door. So you're hoping, we're all hoping that DJ Devontae Freeman does not sign that contract with the Seahawks and he realizes going, man, I should just take anything anybody's offering me here. He doesn't sign that contract because that would be the death of DJ Dallas this year. But if he doesn't sign there, we know now a hundred percent that there is a clear path for DJ Dallas to produce this year. If I'm going to redo my rankings here as we get closer to August, as the closer we get to August and they do not sign another running back, DJ Dallas is definitely going to keep slowly moving up my ranks. Already a prospect that I liked, right? That he does a lot of things nice. Didn't just seem as that superstar running back, but on a team like the Seattle Seahawks, his skills can translate there to being a running back two in fantasy football if he gets the opportunity. We just mentioned with Michael P. Ryan, opportunity with running backs. If you're just a guy getting carries, getting touches, and then you can also catch the football, guess what? You can be a starter on somebody's dynasty fantasy football roster. Things are starting to look a lot more brighter on that DJ Dallas front, and there's a lot more opportunity coming his way. Just the Devontae Freeman news is a little bit of, I think, a light upon DJ Dallas. And the fact that we're just hoping now they don't bring anybody else in here. Garrett, I know you love DJ Dallas, so go ahead and chime in here. Yeah, it's interesting. I was uh, listening to uh, an interview with with Pete Carroll the other day, and he's like the most optimistic person ever. Like, a guy could, like, break his leg and be like, well, you know, we think there's still a chance for him to, like, he's like the most optimistic guy ever. And when they asked him about Penny starting the season, he's like, and I don't remember the exact quote, but more or less it was, yeah, uh, we're not we're not super optimistic about, you know, and and so w- Penny Penny's in bad shape. It's it's bad news bears for him. And the thing with Carson is we know that he's he's injury prone. He's been banged up every single season. Uh, his first year he missed almost the entire year. Uh, then in the next two seasons he only missed a few games here and there, but it was always that uh, is he healthy? Is he not? Will he play? Then we have the fumbling thing on top of it, and then this is the last year of his contract. So there's all of these things um, that say there could be a great opportunity. And on top of that, this this player in particular has many skills that I think translate to getting on the field as an NFL running back. When you have a guy that is good in pass protection, when you have a guy that is good catching the ball, when you have a guy that's willing to get out there and play special teams because – Sometimes they'll just sit these running backs. You know, Damian Harris is a great example. Third round pick from the New England Patriots last year. They just had him sit most of the most of the season because he didn't really do anything else. If it had been one of those games where those guys got hurt, he could have been that emergency running back that went in. So I think DJ Dallas will dress all the games, be available for all the games, be used uh, sparingly at first, but he's going to have the opportunity uh, to to be able to move forward. And who's to say that? Carson for sure will be healthy right now. We're projecting it, but that, that hip stuff is scary. So hopefully, and, and, and I definitely don't wish this upon him. Hopefully he does not have any setbacks, but we'll see what happens. For me, this is just such good value of a player that when I watched the tape, there was a lot of things I really liked. And then a team that really could end up having a need at running back. Garrett, I, I don't know that there needs to be like a big setback for him to not start the season. I, I think you nailed it when you were talking about, 
Pete Carroll and how positive he always is. Sometimes he's overly positive. Sometimes he just projects things that aren't realistic, to be honest. So they're saying all that, you know, Chris Carson's definitely going to be, he's definitely going to be read. He's definitely, it's so far out. That is kind of the way I I've, I've, I've gotten the feeling over the years that that's just kind of the way Pete Carroll handles most things until it's eminent that he can't. So, I mean, I yeah. think, I think he's, 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 you know, he's saying Rashad Penny's not because he knows he's not. But if there's a, a chance that Chris Carson is going to be ready for the start of the season, he's going to act like he's going to definitely be. And that's just kind of that's kind of uh, Pete Carroll talk. You know what I mean? That's just the kind of the way he's he's super optimistic. He's, he's very positive. So let's just you know pump the brakes on this. Chris Carson is for sure going to be ready for the the start of the season stuff because it's so far out. So far out. They haven't seen this guy in any sort of game-like atmosphere any sort of practice you know they haven't seen him do anything so um you know they're just going based off what he says you know like hey they're giving him a call yeah no the hip feels good you know and and that translates to pete carroll saying he's definitely going to be ready so it's um it's definitely a slippery slope dj jollis is in a situation you know a great a great offense for any type of running back but i think a guy like dj dallas in particular who He's not great at anything. He's not a big explosive guy. He's going to need a lot of carries, I think, to be fantasy relevant. And if he gets the opportunity to be the guy there in Seattle, he's going to get that opportunity. You know, to get a lot of carries and be a productive guy. So I think he landed in a good spot. I like this. I like the situation there. Um, obviously, they wouldn't have spent a fourth round draft pick uh, on a running back because they've got a lot of other needs, unless they felt like they they needed him and they were going to use him. So. I, I like I like the situation there in Seattle. You guys got anything else before I, I move on to our next prospect? I just think there's a very good chance that Rashad Penny is going to land start the season on Pup, and we there's a chance we might not see him play at all in 2020 because his injury was so late as well. So I think that all I think everything we just mentioned for me personally moves DJ Dallas up from here where we have him at 28 and puts them towards closer to the back end of the second round just because of the position and the opportunity that we're starting to see things right now. Here we sit and it's only may, right? So it's only may, but the same time as if things stand, if things stood exactly where they are now, this was August instead of may. And we knew all this, he would hundred percent be a second round pick. So this is a situation. It might be worth a slight bump in your rookie draft. If you hadn't yet, just hoping things kind of, you know, stay, pro quo how they are now but then the Devontae Freeman news is the is the big uh thing out there right now or remember there's another guy like Lamar Miller who's still a free agent so there's still some free agents out there that Carlos Hyde that it could bring in and kind of put a damper on this but we can only go on what we know is fact today and right now it's looking like DJ Dallas is the guy that's it for me and and speaking of Carlos Hyde they they actually it just popped up on Roto World that um surprise surprise Seattle has talked to Carlos Hyde as well so they're looking for a guy um that that does make me wonder a lot about Carson, right? Uh, if if they really do think he's a hundred percent, that's going to be interesting. It's starting to send the signal that it's it's really that he's not. So and it, we'll, it's we'll also see. starting Actions. to start, Matt. That like it looks like even more so. Like we just said, this they're probably going to bring a guy in. You know, right. if, they're, if we're hearing mm-hmm. all this noise in May, they're probably going to bring a guy in. So it's probably best. DJ Dallas is probably right around twenty five, twenty eight, right around there. All right, so moving right along to our next prospect, um, our, our what is it, the twenty seventh guy overall? Um, 
K.J. Hamler, uh, wide receiver out of Penn State. He was a second-round pick, 14th overall to the Broncos. He's five foot nine, only 178 pounds, didn't participate in any of the combine drills, so we don't have any um, numbers like that on him. That's not true. He benched. Oh, you're right. Um, 15 benches. I only remember that because he didn't get as many. This, it's not even important, but I only remember that because I was sitting there and he didn't get as many reps as he thought he could. He actually had a pretty decent number. Uh, and he yells out this giant F bomb and the place goes silent. Yeah, he got so. 15. For a guy that's only 178 pounds, 15 reps on the bench is pretty good, actually. But uh, yeah. <laughs> this is a sorry about that. It was just a story that stuck in my head. My bad. Continue. No, it's all good. Uh, he's he's a super young prospect. He's only twenty years old right now. He'll turn twenty one in um, July. He came into Penn State, tore his ACL basically out of high school, so he redshirted his freshman year. Um, that was two thousand seventeen. Two thousand eighteen kind of came in and did pretty well. He was a fairly productive guy. Um, Seven hundred and fifty four yards. His freshman year, and then last year was his redshirt sophomore year. He had 904 yards, eight touchdowns. But he's a he's a guy that primarily ran out of the slot, 89 um, percent of the time. He, he did kick he did kick returns, punt returns. He's good. He's good in like short areas. You know, get the ball to him, kind of quick type of guy. He's not not a contested catch guy. Um, it, it, what the the thing that was struck me was and was interesting. This is another team that has a young QB. And is really loading up on on, uh, on weapons for him. You know, obviously they have Cortland Sutton there. Then last year um, they drafted a tight end out of Iowa. The, I, I can't believe I'm forgetting his name. Um, no Fant. No Fant. Thank you very much. And then obviously, then this year they go back to back first and second round with Jerry Judy and then um, KJ Hamler out of Penn State. So it's it's interesting. They're doing the right things for him, and and, and not to mention that they went out and got um, they signed Melvin Gordon as well. So they're really loading this guy up. Um, Drew Locke, um, he's going to have no excuses if he fails this year uh, or or Absolutely. looks terrible. So I I mean I like the situation. I think he's going to be able to earn a job on his NFL team. I'm not sure with all the mouths to feed there how much it's going to really translate into fantasy production for you guys. Um, and I think that's why. A guy that's a second-round pick is going this late in a draft. Um, and couple that with the fact that he had nine drops last year, which is which is pretty high, um, there's there's some questions surrounding surrounding his hands as well. Oh, yeah, dude. Nine drops last year. He had 12 ball, dropped 12 balls on 68 catchable throws. He had a 17%, 6.0% drop rate. That's too bad for me. Already had an ACL surgery as well. Second round pick, I don't care. There's first round picks that we didn't like. John Ross, Will Fuller, that kind of fits his KJ Hamler style of play. KJ Hamler can absolutely help an NFL team. I'm not going to deny that. He can absolutely, probably, most likely not help a dynasty team. And not only that, but he goes to a situation that's not even now good for him, right? Okay, hey. He was a second-round pick, 46th pick in the second round. Okay, well, guess what? Corlin Sutton's a second-round pick who's taking the top of the second round. And guess what? They just took Jerry Judy in the first round. And guess what? They have a tight end in the, uh, in who they took in the first round. And now they're bringing Melvin Gordon and they got Philip Lindsay. I am sorry. There is no fantasy targets left for you, K.J. Hamler. You're just not the kind of guy that will ever be relevant on a dynasty roster. Guys, I think pick 29 here for me is too high. I will have 0.0, 0 
KJ Hamler shares. There's too many things that got to go wrong for him to be right. And that's, we're not even talking about, that's just for people around him. It doesn't have to do with like his flaws and what he doesn't do well with that size and how, you know, how small he is and his hands are not being as reliable to me. I mean, that's not crazy. He wasn't even, he wasn't even overly productive at Penn state. That's how they used him at Penn state is just an occasional kind of guy. He only had, he only occasionally had more than five receptions in a game. Occasionally. We're talking very sparingly. So that's how he was used in college, let alone how it's just going to all of a sudden flip the switch here in the NFL. He helps the NFL team, which I understand the pick here at 46, trying to give Drew Locke more weapons, but he will not help a dynasty roster. I'm sorry, guys. 29 is too high. Uh, I got to get him lower. I'd rather take gambles here on any running back. I'd rather take gambles on every single person we're going to talk about after him. And there are going to be some guys we talk about in the next show I'd rather have ahead of K- KJ Hamler. Rich, are you are you looking at our sheet right now? Yeah, because he's got, he's got him highest out of all three of them. <laughs> You're the highest on him. <laughs> You're the reason we're talking about him right now. <laughs> I apologize, guys. There must, be a, there must be a flaw in my rankings. It I was hacked. I'll, Your I'll, rankings I'll, were hacked. I'll, I'll, update, I'll update, update those tonight. Um, I put him that high just so we can talk about him today to warn everybody not to take That's him. That's what it was. Because some makes people are taking sense. him in the second round. Some people are even taking him even you know in the third round. I just wanted to make sure he was on our list to talk about to warn everybody. But I will, uh, I'll fix that problem tonight, maybe. Yeah, I'm on it, guys. Let's hope, Thanks let's for the heads up. So. Yeah. <laughs> Garrett, you want you want to talk him up maybe a little bit? <laughs> yeah. Well, I I, I was super confused because I was like I always thought you didn't like him. And then you were talking just now you didn't like him. So I was like, something isn't computing. So I was trying to figure out what angle I was going to go at this with. Um, but no, I'm not I'm not crazy high on KJ Hamler either. Uh, I don't think any of us uh, had him super high in our rankings throughout this process. To me, he's basically a poor man's Marquise Brown. Uh, and I'm not that high on Marquise Brown, but he's a lesser version of him. And so... I, you, you already you did a great job talking about all of the weapons that are already there in Denver. And Matt, you brought up the drop rate. Like there, there's just a lot of negative things. So even if everything were to go right, uh, he's still going to be inconsistent. And it's really hard to start an inconsistent player on your fantasy roster, a guy that's going to get you, you know, two touchdowns this week, and then it's not going to be four more weeks till he gets another touchdown. That's that's really hard to do. I think I think that's probably going to be the type of player he ends up being. Either that or they just solely use him as a possession guy out of the slot, which wouldn't be really utilizing his skill set to its fullest. So, yeah, I, I'm with you. I'm out on KJ Hamler overall. I am moving him down my rankings as we speak. My job here is done. Uh, there we go. Him, and we can move on now. Thank you for laying on that grenade, Rich. We appreciate that. <laughs> Uh, with that, we are going to move on to our 30th ranked player, and that is Adam Troutman. We already talked about Cole Komet earlier. This is the second ranked uh, tight end in our tight end rankings, and he was a guy that wasn't really talked about much during the season. It wasn't really till after the college football season that we started hearing this name of this guy from the small school. He went to Dayton. Then we saw he got the the senior bowl invite and he got the NFL combine invite and overall really impressed really ingratiated himself very well 
into that whole process and really flew up a lot of people's boards. And I don't know why this was the case. For some reason, in my head, I had him as a a fourth round pick. And now I'm looking here. He was he was taken at the end of the third round, which is very, very good draft capital to a team that really hasn't figured out their tight end situation since they've had Jimmy Graham, and that's the New Orleans Saints. I'm not saying this guy's the next Jimmy Graham. It's a different skill set, different type of player, but I liked a lot of the things that I saw out of this player. Former quarterback, he was the offensive uh, scout team player of the year on in his uh, freshman redshirt season. And so it just tells you he's a hard worker. Like the guy is willing to get stuff done. He kind of grew into his body a little bit more and then just became this really dominant tight end. I really like Adam Troutman, another guy that uh, I wasn't necessarily planning on targeting him, but I think everybody has just kind of been fading the tight ends on the whole. And I think with specifically these two players, Cole Komet and Adam Troutman, I really do think that's a mistake. I think both are very good players. You mentioned Garrett, he was taking the third round. Not only that, the Saints traded four draft picks to move up and get him. They traded all the rest of their draft picks to get up here and get him at pick 105. So. To me, that's saying this is a guy that they want. You know, they're trying. They know Drew Brees' time is limited, so they're trying to just give him weapons. They get, they bring in Emmanuel Sanders. They have Jared Cook there, who looked strong at the end of last year, and now they bring in Troutman, who's a really nice dynasty prospect. If he was at a different school, besides Dayton, he could have won even higher. But being drafted in the third round, and the fact that the Saints traded four draft picks to get him tells me this is somebody that Sean Payton likes. And I like Sean Payton as a head coach and his offensive scheme well enough that they can find a quarterback after Drew Brees. I mean, look at this. I mean, they bring in Jameis Winston as a backup. He led the NFL in passing yards last year. Cam Newton is still a free agent. So with another strong uh, class at quarterback next year as well, I'm not – at this point when it comes to quarterbacks, I'm not overly worried about, like – the shallowness of it all, where it's been that way for such a long time in the NFL, where everybody's just feeding for a quarterback. I mean, as a Browns fan, of course, now I've been looking for a quarterback for 25 years. Now we got one. But, of course, now there's a guy. Can you imagine being a Browns fan and Cam Newton's just out there in a the free agent market? I'm like, oh, my God, bring, give me Cam. Yeah. So <laughs> Three years ago, our heads, our heads would have exploded. <laughs> exactly. So that doesn't make me overly crazy that about, you know, will he have Drew Brees in three years when he's really taking a big step forward? I think, if anything, it's going to put him in position again in the field earlier to help him make that transgression earlier into the NFL and kind of skip that three-year hiatus. And hopefully we can see a lot more of Adam Troutman in year two taking a big step forward compared to year three. Yeah, absolutely. I love the landing spot. You know, obviously he's going to be a bit of a prospect um, that's going to need some time to develop coming out of Dayton. Um, so I like the fact that he's got Jared Cook there ahead of him um, on the depth chart. I think it's going to give him probably the, you know, the, at least this year to kind of learn the ropes of the NFL. And then, you know, next year he could be off and running uh, with a with a coach like Sean Payton. The, the sky really is a limit. And like you said, they, they, they gave up so much draft capital to get this guy. They're going to find ways to get him involved in, in the offense. So I really like Adam Troutman um, going forward. Dude, I had KJ Hamler way too high in my rank. <laughs> yes, you did. <laughs> that was definitely a mental mistake, people, by the way. There's no way I'd rather have him than, like, Blake Jarwin. <laughs> <laughs> So, sorry, I didn't interject there, but I'm actually moving him down my rankings as we speak, but go, go on. 
No, we're good. I think we're I think we're on to the next guy, man. AJ Dillon. Okay. Moving on to the next guy here after Adam Trauman at number 31 overall. We have AJ Dillon of the Packers taken in the second round, 62nd overall. This was a guy who we were all consensusly kind of down on going into this draft process uh, process. I know Matt Waldman kind of changed your aspect a little bit on that, Garrett, with how quick his feet are. And some people are like, listen. This guy was taken the second round by the Packers. And I saw him go in the first round of rookie draft, by the way, this re- like just recently, too, this oh weekend. And this is something, yeah, he's big. He's got really quick feet, so he can get out to the outside. Big bodied, six foot, 247 pounds. But I think this is more of a Jamal Williams kind of factor than an Aaron Jones kind of situation. So. Aaron Jones last year was great. He was a fantastic running back. And at the same time, Jamal Williams still had over 145 touches in that, in that offense. So he just didn't do anything with those touches. So I think what they want to do is bring a guy like A.J. Dillon, who's that big-bodied red zone running back who could pound it in between the tackles. And for me, again, I just don't see him being that – big time fantasy producer right if he scored a decent amount of touchdowns that's great but Aaron Rodgers might be out after a couple years all they have is Devontae Adams and Alan Lazard there at pretty much at as their offensive weapons I know they have Jay Sternberger and they bring in uh Josiah DeGuara so for me AJ Dillon the draft capital is great second round I think it's a little too high for me I'm a little perplexed by that just like I was his combine numbers because I didn't see all that stuff on tape but that investment alone makes this tremendous value. You don't see many running backs go in the second round of NFL drafts that we have ranked in the third round. So this is very low for a guy with that high of draft capital on a good team in the Packers. So 31 might be a little lower than most in the community, but I'm okay with it just because this is right around where he'd have to be for me to actually draft him. Right around pick 30, 28, if I need a running back, I'm okay with like right around the top of the third round there. He's worth the gamble. But at the same time, I'm I'm not coming away happy with that pick. I'm feeling like I just took a guy that I'll never ever feel comfortable starting. He'll never be that PPR guy. So you're looking at him being the in-between the tackles guy. So unless he's scoring a touchdown pretty much in a game, then he's not even really worth starting. So I almost don't want him on my team because I don't ever want to be in a position that I have to like, oh, I guess I gotta start AJ Dillon. I'd rather just look elsewhere personally because I don't think he'll ever be even a running back two. I think the only chance he can turn be a running back two is if he ever has the uh what uh the, what oh my god I forgot his name already from the Patriots when he scored like fifteen touchdowns. Legarrette Blunt. Uh, Legarrette Blunt. Legarrette Blunt. You know what I mean? That's that's his most premium upside is being like a Legarrette Blunt, right? So, and then you're only talking about that outlier one year. Of being fantasy relevant, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna hold on to a guy like AJ Dillon waiting for that one year and let it take me three weeks into the season, which is gonna be 25 percent of my fantasy season to figure that even out. No, thank you for me personally. Still, but right around here in the third round is where I would be looking, I guess. And and obviously, you know, we all feel pretty similarly to you because we don't have a big standard deviation as to, as to how far off we are on this guy's you know, as far as where we have him ranked. So I think we all feel comfortable somewhere in the middle of the third round to end a third round with this guy, just because he, like you, you had mentioned, he's very one dimensional. He's going to need a ton of volume to be fantasy relevant. So 
A.J. Dillon, the guy whoever you said picked him in the first round in a draft, that, that guy's crazy. You know what I mean? That's that's way too high for, for A.J. Dillon, in my opinion. You know, I, I'm not going to have any A.J. Dillon shares because he was a running back that got drafted in the second round in the NFL draft. So most of the time, he's going to get drafted somewhere in the second round at the latest in, in dynasty drafts. But that's just too high for me. If he was there in the top of the third round and I had a high third round draft pick, I would start thinking about it, but I would feel a lot more comfortable in the middle of the third round to the end of the third round taking a guy like A.J. Dillon just because everything's got to click into place for this guy to be fantasy relevant. So uh, I just he's not going to catch passes. He's, he's going to have to score touchdowns. He's going to have to have a ton of volume. He's not going to make a bunch of big plays. So I, I don't know. I, I, I'm just not going to have a lot of A.J. Dillon. I already know that. And they so got not, Aaron Jones. Ex- exactly. He's just a much more explosive back and a, a much better fantasy option, to be honest. I, I typically pride myself in being a pretty positive, pretty optimistic person. Um, but AJ Dillon is a guy that I've kind of almost become the uh, the the hype train, uh, the negative version of whatever a hype train is. That was kind of what I was the conductor <laughs> of for a while there. Um, is is there a negative version of that? I've, I don't know what that is. Anyway, not important. But um, you're right. You can't ignore the draft capital. Regardless if we think it was a good pick or bad pick, and basically unilaterally people thought it was a bad pick, but regardless of that, they obviously have high hopes. You have LaFour who came from running an offense with Derrick Henry, and that's got to be what he's thinking in his mind because we know that Aaron Jones' contract is up after this year, Jamal Williams' uh, contract is up after this year. So uh, that's my guess is if you're drafting him, you are hoping both of those guys are gone uh, next season. And LaFleur uses him like Derrick Henry is used, where he gets 20 carries a game and he they just pound the rock. But, you know, I, I'm with you guys. Uh, I, I don't see enough on tape to tell me that he is even close to the player on the field that Derrick Henry is. And I'm not even a big Derrick Henry guy for fantasy. So give me the poor man's version of Derrick Henry. I'm good. Right. So let's move along as well. I think we're all good on that guy. Uh, the next prospect, Darrington Evans, um, running back out of App State. He got picked in the third round, 29th overall, by the Tennessee Titans. Obviously, um, you know, the Titans love to rush the ball. Um, Derrick Henry, you know, was basically crushing at the end of the year. He had 303, um, 303 attempts, 1,540 yards. He led the NFL, you know, had the rushing uh, crown uh, given to him basically in that last week of the season. Uh, so what they didn't, you know, obviously Deion Lewis was the other complimentary back last year and they basically, they phased him out completely, you know, throughout the course of the year, he had 54 attempts for 209 rushing yards and only 25 receptions on 32 targets. So they basically, it became the Derrick Henry show last year. And I think they saw that it's, it's, it started to wear Derrick Henry down a little bit, especially in the playoffs. He just looked Gas. They needed to get somebody that offered a little bit of what what Deion Lewis does and a little bit of ability. I think rush the ball um, as well and some young fresh legs. So they went out. They got a, a guy in the in the third round that I think is going to be a nice compliment. You know, he's got the four point four one forty speed. He's going to be a nice compliment to to Derrick Henry's big bruising style. He's going to be able to break off some big runs. 
But as far as fantasy production, you know, he's not going to get enough of the workload, in my opinion, to be a productive fantasy option. He might be a bi-week fill-in type of guy. Um, it, you know, obviously, if Derrick Henry goes down, I don't think he's going to be carrying the ball 20, 25 times. That offense is going to have to change an awful lot if Derrick Henry goes down. So even then, he's still not going to be, you know, like the guy. Um, I think they're going to end up splitting carries with between him and somebody else. So Darren, uh, Darrington Evans, a, a nice prospect, uh, does have a little bit of PPR appeal, um, but he's a complimentary guy in my opinion. Yeah, my I actually like him a little bit more than you do. I, I like the draft draft capital here. Top 100 pick, picked in the third round, 93rd overall to a run-heavy team. And you're right, he did look a little gas last year in Derrick Henry. And they complement each other well because what Darrington Evans does really well is get to the outside. He's a really good outside runner more than an inside. So if they're going to use those two together. I can see that marriage. And you get in Darrington Evans on the outside. And you're right. Derrick Henry is going to be the number one guy there, but he we have to remember, he is a franchise tag player. So there's a chance Derrick Henry might not be on the team next year. And if that's the case, Darrington Evans will have a path to some more carries. He does offer a little bit of PPR upside, but he does have that speed. He has really good speed. He had the second fastest 40 time at the combine amongst running backs with that 4-4-1 speed. I think he's a really nice prospect that can never, you know, probably won't ever be the guy. But enough so where in the right opportunity, maybe puts up some running back two numbers, a guy you put in the flex. But a nice a nice gamble here that I wouldn't mind sitting on in my taxi squad here in the third round, definitely towards the back end of the third round. Good draft capital, run-heavy team. I'll take him over a guy like K.J. Hamler every day of the week. So now you will, to- anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Currently... Uh- Darrington Evans uh, is kind of meh to me. He he did very much so impressed with his speed. That was one thing that, that came off the page when watching him. But that was really about it. He doesn't really break any tackles. There's not a lot of side-to-side movement. So uh, he doesn't really fit that, that ground-and-pound style of the Titans. So I do worry that if... Uh, if Derrick Henry were to leave, that it would still be a committee with him as more of the third down slash change of pace type guy. So I don't know that he'll ever leave that role, uh, but there, there is still some value in in having a role. And at this point in the draft, I, I'm fine with it. So I probably won't take him, but I don't have any issue with where he's at. So... Moving right along, we are going to go to, you know, I don't, I feel so negative now because this is three guys in a row that I'm really just not a huge fan of. Uh, but we're going to go to Chase Claypool. Uh, Chase Claypool wa- went to Notre Dame, had this monster combine. Everybody's talking about how he could be the next Megatron. And he had, you know, all these numbers to, from the from the combine to back it up with his size and with his speed and all of this stuff. And then, you know, you turn on the tape and it was similar to AJ Dillon, where you're kind of like, yeah, I don't know. I didn't I didn't really see it much. Uh so I, I'm not I'm not very high on Chase Claypool overall. He he does go to a good situation with the Steelers. We know that they do a great job of developing their wide receivers. He does have the second round draft capital. So he does have things going in his favor, but from a pure tape aspect, that's what I have a hard time with removing my grades on them just as a player with 
their situation and their draft capital. So, you know, I, I've kind of met in the middle, but as just a just a player, he, he looks a lot more like a tight end than a wide receiver to me. I agree. He does look like more like a tight end, a really good tight end to an, uh, an okay receiver. But there's some facts here we just got to look at. And I think this speaks more so, you know, on Juju being the last year of his contract, I've been down on Juju. They have guys like Deontay Johnson who looked really good last year. James Washington looked good last year. All that being said, they still drafted Chase Claypool in the second round, 49th overall. Not only was he in the second round and 49th overall, he was the Steelers' first pick. He was drafted ahead of Denzel Mims and Brian Edwards. The Steelers have come out and said that he's going to be used as their outside receiver. For a team that always seems to like get good production out of receivers to make them fantasy football relevant, this is just... It's too much of a gamble. I think even 33 here might be a little too low for him, guys, just for where where he's going, the cap with Big Ben's big arm and his deep threat ability. I think I think they're not really overly confident in Juju as much as maybe I am there in Pittsburgh. Because I like Deontay Johnson. They have good, you know, he's got a decent draft pick. James Washington is a decent draft pick. And they still invest here again with their first pick in Chase Claypool. Can't believe he went ahead of Denzel Mims. Can't believe he went ahead of Brian Edwards, but he did. So you have to imagine with their first pick in this draft, Chase Claypool is in the Pittsburgh Steelers' plans. So that alone, to me, makes him fantasy relevant. And if he doesn't pan out to be that receiver, then maybe they do move the tight end. And I love him at tight end then. And that makes him even more sure. valuable to me. So I think... Getting a, a guy like Chase Claypool in the third round here towards the back end is extremely good value. Uh, I actually like the pick, and I'm a little bit more optimistic now with Chase Claypool where he landed than I was even before. Yeah, I think. I, I mean, obviously, I, I have him. If you're looking at all three of our ranks, I haven't ranked the lowest. I'm at 36, but I, I could see him actually adjusting up a little bit. I, I like a lot of the logic that you're talking about, both of you guys, in the fact that the Steelers are really good really good at, at at finding what they're looking for out of a wide receiver and developing them. And they just keep churning them out every single year. So um, I probably am a bit low on him, so we probably should have talked. I mean, we definitely should have talked to him about him before K.J. Hamler. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and if it wasn't for Rich's horrible ranking of K.J. Hamler, we probably would have. Now, now I'm the lowest on him, so don't worry about it. <laughs> good. good. But Rich I, has him at 64? <laughs> but I probably should have had uh, Chase Claypool up a little bit higher. So I'm going to probably I'm gonna do some adjusting myself now that we're talking about it. I really do. I, th I think it's probably a little bit better situation than I had envisioned. But it, it is hard to get over the fact that when you watch him on tape, he just looks more like a tight end to me. And and I think you know initially when I when I did my rankings, that was stuck in my head. And it should. I mean, you know, we're going based off of tape. You should have a vision of what they look like on tape. And then you know immediately the Steelers came out and said he's not a tight end. He's going to be our outside wide receiver. So I think that didn't really all that together didn't really sit well with me. But now that I it's you know had a little bit of time to marinate and and the fact that you know, we're, we're having this discussion now about how well the Steelers develop their wide receiver prospects. I probably am a bit low on him. So, you know, going forward, he would be higher in our, our composite ranks than we have him right now. Next prospect we have on the list of 34 is Justin Herbert uh, for the Chargers first round pick here, six overall. 
And I kind of want to save a little bit of Justin Herbert talk here because next week we're going to talk about Superflex League, Superflex strategy. And I want to kind of use Justin Herbert, kind of like the Daniel Jones example there. But, you know, with already two off the board, Joe Burrow off the board, anytime you're in a one QB league, you can get guys like Justin Herbert in the third round, fourth round. I like Justin Herbert. I think he offers really good upside from the fantasy position. He goes in probably one of the best situations for the quarterbacks, and he offers really good athleticism as well. But I think I'd like the, the, the taper here. I think us just saying the name Justin Herbert at 34 is enough here. And we'll talk about Justin Herbert a little bit more. We're talking about super flex strategy and the upside there, because I know there's a lot of questions out there now about I've seen on Twitter right now is the super flex is the second quarterback overrated in super flex. And I'd like to kind of dive into that. So we'll just do a super flex show altogether and why I personally, I don't know how you guys feel. We'll talk about next week. Feel like the second quarterback is hundred percent not overrated. And it's definitely the most important position in super flex league. So, but in a one QB league here, he falls all the way down to the middle back end of the third round. And that's totally okay with me. Cause if you need a quarterback really bad, go ahead and take him higher. And if you don't, you just still skip them here. Let's move on to player number 35, Matt. I'm, t- I'm totally with you, by the way, on the quarterbacks. If, if you need one, you know, you're obviously going to take him over KJ Hamler. And if not, then you're going <laughs> to move him back. A little bit. Poor Hamler. So move, I would still take Herbert over Hamler no matter if I didn't need one. So, so moving on to the 35th overall prospect, Tyler Johnson, wide receiver out of Minnesota, goes to the Buccaneers in the fifth round, 16th pick overall. Six foot two, 206 pounds. Um, didn't participate in any of the combine drills, so we don't have those numbers. But I think if you watch the tape, you'd know that he's not like a blazer or anything. He's a guy that's a contested catch type of guy. He's very good at that kind of um, situation. Um, he's a, a player that he played quarterback in high school. So, I mean, obviously he came into Minnesota, had a, had a bit of a slow start, but, but really started cranking there towards the end. Um, last year he was seventh in the nation in receiving yards with 1,318 and also seventh in, in the nation in touchdowns with 13. So, you know, he's, he's a nice guy. He, he, I think even though he's slow, he still is able to separate on shorter routes, which is something, you know, if he ends up in the slot with Tom Brady as his quarterback, uh, I think that's something that that could be fantasy relevant, but the the situation is such that by the time Tyler Johnson is ready to fully contribute, is Tom Brady going to be around? So that's that's the biggest question that I have about this, um, and why. I mean, I like Tyler Johnson as a prospect. I hate the fact that he went in the fifth round, um, and that's why he started sliding down my board a little bit. So I, I don't know. I just I'm I think you know you could probably shoot for the moon with another prospect you know that we talked about a guy like chase claypool obviously has a lot more upside than a guy like tyler johnson but tyler johnson's probably just a guy that you kind of i would i personally would feel probably a little bit better taking him towards the top end of the fourth round just due to the draft capital myself but um yeah, I don't know. Man, do I'm with think? you. For, you know, the draft capital, fifth round, don't love it. Pick 161. And you're right. You know, he was he he was a nice prospect to watch at Minnesota. He had back-to-back years with over 1,160 yards and averaged over 25 yards per catch. But fifth round pick. Didn't run at the combine, and he was healthy. That's a red flag. Wasn't invited to the senior bowl. That's a red flag. And for me, when you over really dig into his tape, is athleticism, speed, all that are just Okay. And with all those weapons there now in Gronk, OJ Howard, Cameron Bray, Chris Godwin, and Justin Watson can't even beat out Justin Watson. That's a question as well. To me, just makes him 
dynasty somewhat irrelevant, man. I mean, unless they get rid of Mike Evans, and even then, like it might be too late. He just might be one of those guys who just gets buried. Is a guy who's always on a roster, kind of like I mentioned a guy like Willie Sneed earlier. You know, he's always around the NFL because he's talented enough to contribute, but just never be the guy to make him a fantasy relevant player. I, I think for me, as I sit here today, I know these rankings were based off our average for a couple of weeks ago when we started doing this. I think I'd even be safer to say to move him down a little bit more and just go elsewhere. Like, but almost all the other people we're going to talk about here coming up here soon, I think I'd rather just go elsewhere than Tyler Johnson at this point. Yeah, I think I like Tyler Johnson a little bit more than you guys. That's why we're talking about him. Well, yes, but here's the thing with Tyler Johnson. Yes, it was disappointing the draft capital. You would have liked to have seen higher. Uh, but I did really like his tape. I, I went through, and and he's, he's a solid route runner. He's really good with some of those um, – those acrobatic catches that not every player is able to make. He's not quite the athlete everyone else, uh, a lot of the other players in this class are, but I think he could carve out a nice little role for himself right here. One, he's tied to a Bruce Arians offense. Yes, we know that, that Brady won't be there forever, but he is tied to a Bruce Arians offense. And right now, it's basically just Godwin and Evans. And with Evans, there's a chance that he's not here next year, and I'm not at all saying they're the same type of player. Evans is leaps and bounds better than him, but they are both contested catch, bigger body type receivers, so it wouldn't be crazy to see him slide into that role eventually. So I think the upside is there that I'm willing to take him at this point, even though you guys are not. I know you do not call him uh, a Mike Evans-esque type of player, did you? No, I specifically <laughs> gave the caveat beforehand that they're not the same player. <laughs> they're not the same. <laughs> Please unfollow at Dynasty Price on Twitter. No, overall, I'm, you For guys sound are Dynasty it, advice. I'm just saying they're in the same mold. <laughs> Mold's a good word to use over there with how long Tyler Johnson will be sitting around in the water. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. Lynn Bowden Jr., Lynn Bowden Jr. is who we're going to talk about next. Uh, he any any position that you say he played, it's probably correct. I uh, played quarterback, running back, wide receiver. Uh, I think he was the head coach at one point. I mean, the dude was just he was all over the field, and uh, he he posted some some absolutely gaudy numbers uh, for the Kentucky Wildcats. The problem is I'm just not super big on these guys that don't really have a position. You know, he'll take some snaps uh, at running back, some gadget plays, maybe even like a Wildcat quarterback here and there. But usually only amounts to six, eight touches a game. And that's just it's just really hard to touch, uh, figure out. Uh, You know, he he did uh, actually get the running back tag, which was a little bit surprising. We thought he would get uh, the wide receiver tag, but he got the running back tag. So we'll see how all of this plays out. But for me, it's it's still just a little bit more of a stay away just because I have a hard time trusting guys uh, in this type of predicament. My biggest concern here is to draft him in the third round, 80th overall, and they said, no, he's going to be running back. He's Everything else doesn't matter. He's running back. He's a running back. He's a running back, which kind of somewhat hurts Josh Jacobs just a little bit. And then they just signed Jalen Richard too, uh, re-signed him as well. This is really confusing for me. They bring in, because he doesn't fit at the receiving core, because they bring in two really good receivers in Henry Ruggs 
and Brian Edwards. They have their tight end and Darren Waller, and they took a running back in the first round just last year who was awesome. They have a pass catcher running back in Jalen Richard and Josh Jacobs to catch the football. I think they're just going to use this guy as a weapon. I think he'll be just used, moved around, and just not relevant enough, again, to be fancy production, be fancy productive. I don't love it. Didn't overly love the player, and we're kind of want to see where he'd fill out and what position. And now that I know it's running back on the Raiders, just kind of says, makes me say, no thanks, Matt. Yeah, no, I mean, Lynn Bowden is obviously a project. I, I think it's... I think it's good that he ended up as a running back personally. I don't think it's good that he ended up as a running back on the Raiders. Um, I, I think that's probably his best position when you watch his college tape. I mean, he's just he, he's obviously he's obviously good with the ball in his hand. You know what I mean? Uh, so that's that's why I think the running back makes the most sense for him, and he can operate between the tackles and and get outside and do all the things that running backs need to do. But, I mean, I don't know. I, I have him 40th overall, so I think this is a bit high for, for my liking for a guy that's a gadget player, like you said. And, and you just never, you're never going to know what kind of workload he's going to get, in my opinion. So I just don't know. Yeah, I, I would feel a lot better getting a guy like Lynn Bowden in, in the fourth round. Me too. Fourth round kind of draft. I'd rather have a, a quicker guy, like the first person we're going to talk in the next episode, who's Josh Kelly for the Chargers. Uh, I'd rather go with instead of Lynn Bowden. But that's it for this episode. We're going to pick up and wrap up our rookie content for the year. Finally, in the next episode, our nerd edition, we're going to talk about 12 more rookies uh, if we have time. And then we're also going to get into do another show with some sleepers. So we have that going for us. In the meantime, make sure you follow us on Twitter. I'm at Dynasty Rich. I'm at Dynasty Matt. And I'm at Dynasty Price. Make sure you check out the site at Dynasty Nerds. Make sure you check out Dynasty Nerds every day. Make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel. We have the guys like Garrett breaking down these rookies already for the 2021 class. We're putting out some other episodes. We've already had Evan Silvan, Matt Waldman, Danny Kelly from The Ringer. More guests to come on there. And if also, if you like the show, leave us a rating review on iTunes. And if you just want to talk Dynasty this summer, there's no better place to do it than the Facebook group page. There's almost 8,000 users on there. It's one of the biggest Dynasty forums you're going to find. It's the best thing to use Facebook for. The Dynasty Fantasy Football Facebook page, 8,000 people on there talking Dynasty every single day with like-minded people like yourself so check that out as well until then we'll be back next week we're going to do a super flex show talking super flex strategy and just some players that might be some nice super flex sleeper strategy and of course justin herbert until then everybody enjoy their long weekend have a good memorial day and we'll talk to you next week adios